Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I'm your host as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by the regular rugby crew of Sam and Westy. We are back for another, well, for Six Nations recap. First of the first uh, round done and dusted. Uh, a lot and of, that is all we're back for. Yes, unfortunately, we had a, a game on Friday that we also have to talk about, Connacht Ulster. Um, but we'll get we'll get stuck into that in a, in a little bit. But lads, tell me about your weekend as always, Sam. Good one or bad one? Um, good enough, yeah. Not, just started off poorly with the Connacht game and then went out for a meal on Saturday night and was being real good. You know, didn't drink at all. Stayed off the drink because we had a game scheduled for Sunday and then got Grapped because uh, of the rain on Sunday morning, so I was in a bit of a huff then after that uh, for the rest of the day. But now on the whole, grand enough weekend. Just sat back and watched all the rugby, watched some soccer, watched whatever else was on TV, watched the dubs. That was that was depressing enough as someone who tunes into the dubs every once in a while. I, was say, I didn't even realize you watched the dubs. Oh, I'd watch whatever's on TV, but uh, you know, the just dubs a, are a reminder enough. for everyone listening: Sam does have a, a child. Uh, and still manages oh, yeah. to watch she, all this. She would so. also watch whatever's on TV. She is a trooper. She was born like mid Lions tour, so <laughs> she's well used to it. Uh, yeah, for Friday night rugby. I tweeted the other day, but like it'll make or break your weekend. Really, you can start it off perfectly, or it can just put you right in the right in the right in the bin. Uh, Westy, how was your weekend? Yeah, my weekend was good. It was pretty quiet. Uh, much the same as Sam was preparing for a game on Sunday. Just watched a load of rugby on on Saturday, um, which was great. Um, and then I celebrated one of the best things about our match being called off early Sunday morning was I got to watch Portugal Georgia. Which well, I was I was going to bring game. this up because I was slandered on Twitter and Sam didn't even at me like a coward that he is that I I, I don't want the game to grow in tier two. Uh, so Westy, I'm giving you now on this podcast. If you want, do you want to talk about some tier two stuff? I'll give you five seconds. <laughs> five seconds to cover an entire three games. Just talk uh, about the line. Just the line. That's all you want. Yeah, well, I mean, the data from the fullback, um, the Portugal fullback, it's a beautiful line, runs straight through two Georgian defenders. They, I think they literally clashed heads in a cartoonish attempt to tackle them. Um, but no, it was actually, it was a really great game. It was, um, I was really reminded of Connacht a lot when watching Portugal because they'd, like the first half, they won every line out, like all of George lines, all of their line outs. And then like the second pass in midfield would go between two centres. You're like, oh, lads, you've done the hard part. Like this should be the part where you capitalise. But no, it was great. Like Georgia were, I don't want to say far from full strength, but not full strength. But Portugal drawing with Georgia in Tbilisi, like for people who are like, oh, what's the point? The runner-up in this competition will be in Ireland's group in the World Cup. So it's just really fascinating to see how this is going. Because like Georgia don't lose games in this competition. They're the reigning champions for years. The last time Portugal didn't lose them was 11 years ago when they drew with them as well. Um, so the fact to see Portugal rugby come along that much, it really just means that that now second place, Georgia will still probably win it because it's based on the two years combined, not just this year, last year and this year. Um, but it means that that's really kind of opened up now. So it's kind of between Romania, Spain and Portugal to see who will get that second spot. Of nice. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, Sam, for people say they don't want to grow the game. There you go. Hashtag grow, grow the game, Sam. Guilted into it. You don't want to grow. You have no interest. I've, I just, you know, I watch enough rugby to not, not watch Portugal, Georgia. I'm sorry. Is that, does that make me a bad person? Yeah, you're not, you're not going to help the growth of the game in the, in the yeah, line. We, we, well, we have a huge Portuguese fan base, so uh, we have to try and cater to them as well. Could do uh, before as well, 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I won't put Wes in the spot, but Wesley did a fantastic poem uh, on Twitter to start the Six Nations, which got everyone loved it. But oh, I won't yeah. put you in the spot, Wesley. But uh, if you haven't already seen it, head over to Wesley's uh, Twitter, which he's always on, just constantly tweeting. Um, it tweets about once a week, but they're you know your hit rate's good, Wesley. You're you know when you tweet, they're bangers. Uh, but yeah. it's really good. Quiet day at work Friday, Westy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was uh it was quiet. But no, it was a uh, had a really busy day. I just took uh, I you know normally I kind of take breaks at my desk, you know, kind of relax whereas I was busy so I took breaks and went downstairs and sat and I was like, "Oh, I just kind of started, started thinking about it and started writing down notes." Um, Got your 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 quill out and a, and a piece of parchment and just jotted down a candlelight, you know, put on my yeah. kerchief. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, Nice, yeah, it's fantastic, it really is good it re- Yeah, it really is good uh, So check that out if you haven't already um, Right, let's get let's get the bad stuff out of the way, lads uh, Connacht Ulster, or Ulster Connacht, should I say, Ulster at home uh, Friday night, uh, Connacht losing 32 points to 12 uh, Watching it back, the, the, that scoreline, I can think of It can also it can be flattering for Connacht and also uh, harsh on Connacht But it just wasn't, as someone said on Twitter We're kind of getting sick of trying to find the, the good in all these losses But uh, that's what we're here for, and that's we, 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 what we will do. Uh, Westy, uh, can you? Uh, what did you find any good in Friday? Yeah, well, I mean, there there is good. Um, you know, part of me wants to say it's a prize tag for success. You know, like we're missing four now, five guys gone with the. You know, Dave Effingham was gone, so we're with five guys away with the with the Ireland team. Um, so it did require a bit of change, I think. And again, I, I don't, I actually, again, I think Connor Fitz actually played pretty well, but I think maybe we're paying a bit for not managing our tens a bit better and giving them a little bit more game time in the build-up. Like Jack was playing so well, I totally see why he wasn't. And, you know, he obviously wanted the opportunity to play his way into the Ireland squad. Um, I think the way we came out in the second half and the way we defended in the second half was fantastic. You know, we talked about it in relation to the European games, how all of a sudden, once we were on our own line, it was kind of a matter of time until we were conceding. We didn't have that kind of bite in kind of um, line defense that we saw against Munster, even though, okay, you know, we ended up with, you know, I think maybe our discipline in that sense was a little bit better, but our discipline in other senses was a bit worse. Um, So I think the way we came out, the way we recovered, the way we defended in the second half was really good. I mean, like that last try withstanding, you know, like we should have kicked the ball out from the scrum. I don't know, like for the sake of a point, you know, I, I, I go on about how important losing bonus points are, but for that level of the game, maybe it was time to call it a day, but no, I think what, what what worries me is our defense in open play. Just how easily Lowry and Balakim, who are fantastic rugby players, I'm not like, you know, it, it is. It's just the level you have to be at. Like them getting through and gaining out. Even like the fantastic like last last ta- last last ditch tackles by Kieran Marmion. Like they're so good, but we've he's already stepped through five lads who are all standing quite near each other. Like nobody really kind of making that first hit. And I just think. That was disappointing because I don't matter who you are, like been three tries or, or two, 21-5 down wherever we were at halftime, it just gives yourself so much work to you to come back and win it. So, um, yeah, it was is just... There really- a, is there a call there for... I, I, I remember watching it back. We had put in a couple of massive defensive shifts and we had done really well. We got a box kick and we didn't find touch with it. And again, it's not just not finding touch. You're also kicking to Mike Lowry. You're to kicking to a Balakoon. The lads are exhausted. Is that, a, is that a, again, I know Connacht don't necessarily like to put out in the touch, but is that a situation, Wesley, where you'd like Connacht to kind of put it out and at least give the lads a minute of a bit of a, a, bit of a rest? 
Yeah, probably. And like it's as you say, it's not the kind of game plan is to keep the ball in field. Um, but I think after a massive shift like that defending, you kind of have to look at the lesser two evils and give your forwards time to catch their breath. I mean, the, the problem is that the box hit goes ahead, they catch it in acres of space and their back three are so dangerous. I, I just think, and look, I'm not privy to the information, but a game plan isn't a static thing. A game plan is something that you adapt to who you're playing against. And I think that if you're hoofing it down at Lowry and Balakum, you're kind of inviting them to come back on you when you're tired. It's just not the best way to go about it. And I think, save for you know, maybe three performances in particular, but a couple of other good performances too. That could have been a lot worse for Ghana. Yeah, definitely. Sam, what positive did you take from Friday? Uh, watching it back in amongst all the the very tough watches and the very tough kind of things that, that happened, I did see some positives. I saw Tom Daly getting on the pitch for the first time in months uh, and, you know, leading the tackle stats for the, the game at 17 tackles made pretty much a damning indictment of how much ball Connick had that he had to make 17 tackles but for someone to come back from a long injury and make 17 tackles is huge I think he's going to be massive for us in the in the next few months you know uh, in that centre Sammy Arnold's played a lot a lot of rugby uh, I love him and you know I want to keep seeing him play because we're not going to see him for very much longer he's moving to breathe at the end of the season three year deal but uh, you know resting and giving people and moving in and out players like Daly is going to be huge Connor Oliver with five turnovers. You know, some players are happy with that in a season. He got it in a game. Uh, so that's amazing. Uh, then, you know, other things like TATA Tumanga, I thought had a good game. I thought he really kind of started to show a little bit of why we were looking for him. And he was playing on the opposite side of the scrum. He was playing in the tight head, uh, which I think is, if we do keep him on, which I hope we do, because he looks like he has it about him. He really looks like he has a work ethic as well. He's putting a lot of work into uh, losing weight and kind of getting up to fitness and stuff. And that, that's been overlooked by some of the people who criticise him straight away. He's had COVID and those sort of things. He's coming into a new system mid-season. So I think if we do keep him on, I think that having him as not just a backup for Buckley, but also for backup for Finley, who does tend to be off more because he's inter- involved with the international team a lot more, I think it'd be huge because, you know, the step down is quite big from those. Buckley and Finley are two brilliant players. Finley unfairly kind of questioned by a lot of people watching Ireland games. I, ne- I never really see him put a foot wrong. I don't think he's ever done anything wrong for Ireland or for Connacht. Uh, I think he's a fantastic player. So having a good quality beefy lad like that behind him who got some good go forward ball, uh, I think is huge. Outside of that, no, I think that the the tries were taken well. Arnold did really well to get the ball free for Wooten's tries. Good to see Wooten putting the ball down in his own, like in the try line because, you know, he's kind of, He'd scored a couple of tries, but not as... That was uh, McNulty's, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, was that McNulty's try? Sorry. That was Orange, yeah. 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 The first yeah. half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and Wooten scoring as well. Like, those those are the things that you want to see. Uh, McNulty getting another try. He didn't have the easiest game. The kicking was very smart. I thought Billy Burns was really good for uh, Ulster. I thought the way that he kicked and I thought the way... And the way Doak put the box kicks up. Put it kind of just in front of him. made him question himself. It might have been quite cold and he was coming in. He probably didn't expect to get as much time as he, he did. Uh so it was a really tough day at the office for Connacht. It was a hard watch for any of us fans and it's, it's becoming a hard kind of period of time. But you know, when you watch it in the cold light of day, it's hard to continually and constantly take positives from games. But I do think that it's, you know, it's getting better. It's, it's if you look at the upward trajectory of Andy Friend's kind of reign, I think that we are getting there. I think we're just in a big transition period at the moment and we're noticeably missing players when they're gone not just because the players aren't on the pitch there's very good players on the pitch but other lads are tired bodies are gone mentality's gone kind of a hangover after Europe and all that uh, 
the best thing you can really say about it is friendly said if we played like we played against glasgow against ulster we'd ship 60 and we didn't ship 60 so he definitely thinks that there's a little bit of an improvement if you were to take those sort of words i bought into a lot of what he was saying afterwards he said our exiting was bad and like westy said and you said there you know kicking the touch might need to be something we do a bit more uh, our exiting our decision making was pretty poor uh, and our exiting and i don't know does that stem from not having jack there because he's just such a calming presence Fitzy, you know, he's not got the experience of Jack. So hopefully we'll just see an improvement and we've got a week off now and I think that's probably going to be good for the lads. Yeah, a, f- a few things. Definitely um, Connor Oliver. It's a, the biggest shame of the week was that Connor Oliver's performance didn't end up in a win because it was just outstanding. He was a man on a mission. Um, he's in a rich vein of form and let's hope it continues because I think without him, definitely we could have been up near 60, uh, shipping 60. Um, I thought again. I think I thought Tia Tia Tumaga. I thought yeah, mid yards every time he came on, as you said, Sam. I thought Oshin Dowling and Niall Murray again continued to uh, progress on on their kind of trajectory. I thought like there wasn't anyone like no one had a stinker. It was just we just couldn't, which is strange because we couldn't string phases together, which is normally what we're quite good at. You know, quick rook speed, getting the ball. We just couldn't get it going for some reason on Friday night. And then, like everything else, when it comes to Connacht, our mistakes were punished severely. You know, fourteen five going in a half time isn't that bad. And then we end up, you know, Wooten makes a bad kind of. Uh, I don't know if it's a bad defensive read or he makes a read and it's just unfortunately it's not the right one. Balakoon's on the wing and you know that Balakoon tries getting shown like it's he bets seven men. He, you know he's fast. I, I would expect him to finish from there. Uh, and it was a good it was a good finish, but it was kind of being blown out of proportion a little bit. But. Um, you know, as you said, also played well. Billy Burns had a great game. Doke is just continuing to improve and improve and improve. We couldn't stop McCluskey at any stage. He just he always found a free arm to offload, and it was just killing us. Um, it was just yeah, it was one of those days where it just didn't work. Um, and it's a shame, but you know, the season's going. It's going to be tough to get the top eight now. We're going to need a lot of help from other teams, and we're going to need to have an incredibly strong finish. But look, as you say, we've time off. They have time off now. We all trust in Andy Friend and, and the coaching staff and the players to turn us around. You know, t- t- some time off now, I think, Sam, as you said, is going to be good for the team. So, like, you know, we'll leave it at that, maybe. Uh, we can talk about uh, Alex Wooten's death wish with Dwayne Vermeulen for a little bit if we want to. Alex, um, Alex Wooten making a few death wishes now because he's de- Dwayne Vermeulen and then he also, he, like, I know he's, he's from England, but he was tweeting a big congratulations picture to the Queen. I was like, ah, <laughs> you know, like... I, I, I'm English. I have no problem. I have no problem with the Queen personally, but a lot of the people who follow Connick probably would. So fair play to him for sticking by his guns. I wasn't a huge fan of it myself, Sam. To be honest with you, <laughs> but I also understand and respect it. But uh, yeah, I saw that too, and I was. I was. Someone actually sent him an Instagram. And was like, "What the hell?" And I was like, "Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely a thing." Uh, but yeah, like it was just one of those days. We'll 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 move on. Um, we we look at Westy. We needed some positivity going into the weekend after Friday night, and we got it. Six Nations was back, and not only was Six Nations back, the Mac attack, Mac Hansen put Connacht on his back and gave us all something to smile about on Saturday. Our, talk us through it, Westy. What a what a debut! Yeah, I think we got that kind of cheering up. What was it about two minutes in when he had that chip and chase where we we're like, oh shit, like what what's happened? Um. But no, it was really, um, it's really refreshing to see him. It's really always kind of there was c- some criticism about him being involved in the squad, um, in the build up to it, and not necessarily criticism, but like questioning. And then we had heard how good he was going at training. But I think even like it's so special to see him link up with Bundy for that first try. And you're like, yes, like there's a kind of impact on, on the team straight away. So 
For also, Bundy on the wing and Mac coming in from centre. It's like, what? No, other way around, lads. But it's not even like, it's not even about the work, you know, the, the, the passes that he made. Or it's, it's about how often he was, how much he was moving around, how much he was popping up his work rate from getting from one side of the pitch to the other. It was great to see him play with such freedom. I think he said, like, Andy Farrell said that to him. Like, if you can't be yourself, then there's no point being here. So, you know, play the game as you want to. So, look, and I think, you know, nine times out of ten, everyone wants... 99 times out of 100 or 99.9 times everyone wants a debutant to go well and i think that's one of one of the best you know uh first cap performances for any player especially when you're coming in like that against you know the, the reigning champions of the six nations um really got involved and put a stamp on the game i think there's no way you can say that game would have gone the same way without my hands not that we wouldn't have won it or not that it wouldn't have been entertaining but it would have been a very different game without him. Yeah, he was, and uh, I was strangely so nervous before the game, before him, because we we know players that come in like that first, and then obviously a lot of people don't like the fact that he wasn't, say, born in Ireland or whatever like that, but, um, you know, you, you get one chance kind of then, if you don't have a good game, it, they'll hold it against you for the rest of your career, so, you know, there's added pressure on that debut, but he just, from he just seems so laid back, and at the end of the day, I think he was saying he just plays rugby and that's all he wants to do. And, you know, he's only 23. Like, it's it's insane. Um, but Sam, he was, like, just... You can see why Farrell likes him. He is very, like, low in that sense of... It's been well documented. He comes in off the wing, gets involved at work, is comfortable doing that. Like, he is... he is. You can see why Farrell likes him. Yeah, he's... <clears throat> Lowe has that game plan with the wide right winger, you know, the Conway, and I think Balakun is probably going to mix in on that mix as well. Uh, keeping the width but allowing for that third center that playmaker to come in and i think that what you saw from mac was a step up again on low because i think low comes in and you know he gets yards and he goes for it really well but i think what mac brought which everyone's kind of referencing is that ability to play make that fact that he did play 10 for a portion of his career that he plays fullback he's got versatility i think you saw him really like hanging out on sex and shoulders looking for like opportunities to kind of get Sexton into it or to keep Sexton out of it, which I think changes up Ireland's dynamic. One thing we've been criticised for for years is that if you stop Sexton, you stop Ireland. But having Mac there and that second playmaker, that second receiver, uh, opened that up. And it, it the quick hands, the the ability to change direction, you know, he straightened the line a couple of times, he took it into contact and he gets free loads of times. We've seen that with Connacht. He, he makes very good yards in uh, tight spaces. So I think... As debuts go, if it's a good starting point for him, it's an amazing starting point for him. You know, I, I was really chuffed for him because like yourself, I was nervous beforehand because I just, I get nervous for the Connacht players because I think that like Connacht players, and maybe this is me looking with a bit of skepticism, but Connacht players, you know, they they have to only make one mistake for the world to turn on them. Whereas I think other teams kind of, they get a little bit more leeway because they're seen as kind of, oh, they're very successful at their provincial level. Uh, so I'm really glad that he came and he played that way. And I'm really glad that, Farrell has a system in place that allows his wingers to do that because, you know, it would have been the most boring day ever if he had been kind of another wide winger on that side. But the fact that he comes in and he makes stuff happen, I think allowed everyone to see how good he is. And he really is, you know, he's, he's opportunistic. He's, he's just chilled like that. And I think that that stuff kind of falls for him. So hoping he keeps that and he keeps him, I presume he's going to stay in the team. I don't see why you drop him, but if he does stay in the team, you know, Paris, what a test for him again. Like, I know, and yeah, it's a it's a big test, but he just seems so chill and laid back that he probably won't give a crap. But uh, yeah, it was great to see him, and you know he was given man the match award. You could probably argue for the players as well, but it's nice that he got it on his debut, and I don't think anyone was unhappy to see that. Uh, Ireland in general, Westy, good good start to, comp- to the campaign. 
Uh, obviously, Wales not up to their very best, apart from maybe Tame Basham and maybe another handful of players didn't give really a great representation of themselves. But look, Ireland did what they needed to do. First game of the campaign, a little bit of rust every now and then. But yeah, Sam, like a start like that against Wales at home, bonus point. Can't really ask much more. No, absolutely not. It's a really good one. I think that, you know, leaving a few points out there, maybe not getting the 50 or 60 that it looked like we could get after the first 10, 15 minutes, probably going to be good for this team. Give them a kick up the arse, you know, not going to rest on their laurels. I hope so anyway, because uh, I do think, you know, the, the scoreline really seems to have flattered Wales there. Like 29-7 is not a huge scoreline. I was saying plus 10. Wes, you were saying not a ho- hockey and you were saying 50 odd points. So it's kind of in the middle of us all, really. But uh, yeah, half I time. was right, though. I was more right than anyone else. I said 10 plus. That is technically correct. It was uh, over I 10. Said, I, I said a hammer and it was a hammer. Yeah, I said over 10. That is technically correct. The best kind of correct. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I, th- I think it's a good a good start. Uh, I'm good to know that we have France so early in the tournament because it looks like these two teams are going to be the two best teams in it. Uh, and I'm hope uh, you know, a kind of a, a last week or a second last week, big playoff would have been brilliant. But going away to France now with the team, you know, they're back up a little bit. They've got, you know, they've got a little bit more to prove. They've got a few points that they feel they could, they, they didn't capitalize on. They've probably like the likes of Ty Byrne is not going to be happy with himself throwing that interception. Connor Murray didn't, you know, cover himself in glory with the pass before. So there's kind of a couple of players that still want to step it up again and kind of live up to how good they are playing as a team, which will do do wonders for going to France. So, um, I think that that French-Ireland game next week might not be the highest scoring game. It might be two very, very well-drilled teams trying to you know, capitalise on the one mistake of the game. But whatever, it'll be an interesting battle, I'd say. Yeah, Westy, I actually, like, thinking about more about it after the game and kind of hearing people's feedback, I actually thought it was the perfect start for Ireland in the sense that they played well and, pat- and mostly for the game. You know, their attack was fluid looking. They still had the defending patches from Wales, so it wasn't like, the, you know, they were attacking 80 minutes and they're going into France without having defended much. And they also feel like they probably have another couple of gears to get up. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it was a good start, as you guys said. I think they played well what was in front of them. Like, it, it is important to point out, like, there were not only areas of the game, but there were times during the game where we, you know, we, we weren't playing as well as you would hope. We didn't really kick on as much in the second half as people thought. Now, like, Wales did make things difficult for us. It's, it's not, you know, there's still a lot of talent in that side. Like, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. You guys both said plus 10. I thought it was going to be a one-score game, to be honest. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's like France in a similar situation, right? They've had Italy first. It wasn't a, a full France performance, but they have that first game to get ramped up. And now we go to Paris and we see how we get on. So, I think everyone who played will be all the better for it. Um, I think it was a good start, a good start in front of a home crowd and get the win. I remember, I think it was hearing Johnny Sexton talk about it after the game, talking about how when they lost to Wales last year in the first game, it's like, oh, there's Grand Slam, there's Triple Crown out the window. So you're kind of starting already on disappointment, even though, you know, you could well lose a game later on in the tournament. But if you lose all of those things so early on, it can have quite a psychological effect on you. Uh, whereas I think now they'll kick on. They'll, they'll, there will be a review. There will be criticism. It won't be pat yourselves on the back. Well done, lads. Go again next week. There'll be criticism and areas to work on, um, and they, that's what they'll work on in training. And I think they'll, but they'll have confidence and have the win behind them going to France. Because having watched France play at the weekend, like I, I do think it's going to be a very difficult game. But I don't think they'll be overly afraid of going to Paris. Um, but obviously they'll be cautious of of what is definitely a very powerful French team. Yeah, Sam, again, the attack just looked fluid and, you know, Matt coming in so seamlessly and players 
you know, they all seem very confident. Like, you know, there's no, as you said, kind of Westy alluded to it there, there's no defence that Ireland are going to fear. Really. They feel like they can go to Paris and put up, a, you know, put a couple of tries in. Definitely do, yeah. I Like I said earlier that, you know, I think it'll be a tight game. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. But I think, like, you know, if they open themselves up and they play the way they have, like they played the way they played against England last year, New Zealand in uh, autumn, and then, yes, uh, or at the weekend, I think, yeah, no, they, they can definitely put a few tries in on France. I don't think France are going to be easy to break down. I think that they're defensively very good team. A lot of big, strong lads, you know, really, really well drilled. They've been defensively excellent for the last couple of years. So I think that it'll be tough. I do think that that Ireland team will be confident in their abilities. I think when you have someone as naturally gifted at scoring tries as Conway, he's just a machine. He's kind of like, you know, an Earl's 2.0 uh, or a, a kind of an Earl, a younger version of Earl's. Just the ability to finish, like the, the finish he had from that Sexton pass where he kind of slid in and he caught it. And then you think he's going to step back and try and make it for the line or try and jink them. And that's what the defense kind of thinks. But what he does is he takes it on the outside. He doesn't break a stride and he reaches. And he's, I don't know if he was conscious or not, but the fact that he kind of does it in the one motion allows the try to be scored. Ringrose's ability to finish that change, that turn of pace without changing direction. You know, you talk about in American football, they have cuts where you change direction and then you kind of, you can, you can banana it as well. And the way that he just ran to the outside, just got on that outside man, I think is something that they'll try and exploit. So, yeah, I think that Ireland will be confident. I don't think we'll see many changes. And I think that Ireland will want to go out and score tries, whether or not France let them is a whole other story. But uh, I think that I, I read today Dante's out from the centre and he's a big, big boy. He's a big unit uh, defensively and offensively. So he'll be a big miss for France as well. But then you don't have the worst of replacements in Vakatawa coming back in as the squad either. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point as well. Westy, Sam kind of brings up a good point there, though. Like, Ireland obviously pl- are playing a certain brand at the moment, but it's sort of with a, a bit like Connacht. Connacht kind of have to play a certain way to try and win, where Ireland don't necessarily have to do that. What do you think the kind of attitude will be going into France? Is it be a bit more conservative than we saw against Wales or, 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 or the All Blacks in November, or is it kind of let's do what we're really good at and all at attack? No, well, I don't think, first off, I don't think the Wales game was necessarily all-out attack. Like, all you have to do is look at the first two penalties. We went for the posts rather than going for the line-outs. Like, they were, in one manner, quite conservative. Jack would have kicked them. Jack would have kicked them in the sports <laughs> ground, man. Yeah. Jack would have kicked them. I don't so. disagree. Um, but my point is that they went for the conservative option because they remember that it was day one of the Six Nations. And they were contextually like, yeah, we've got a penalty here where it's only 10 minutes gone, it's only 15 minutes gone, let's just take our points and build and continue building into the game. Um, so I don't, think, I don't think much will change at all. I think the Andy Farrell system is a free-flowing, express-yourself kind of system. We saw a lot of those loop plays. Um, they get that second line of attack coming around. I don't think it's perfect yet. There were times where the kind of rushed defensive Wales got up in their faces. So I think they'll work on that. I think it'll be, it'll be much the same game plan, but I think it'll, it'll be improved. It'll be tighter. It'll be there'll be more precision to it, I think, than there was this week. Because there's obviously opening week jitters. Um, and, you know, I think what they'll try and build on is the areas where that didn't come off perfectly or, or where we fell down. You know, there was times where our ball presentation off the back of a rook was quite poor. But again, that comes from sustained pressure from the Welsh pack. So I think they will work on those areas. But I don't think the game plan itself will change much more. France also like this kind of free-flowing game of rugby. Uh, they've got a pretty heavy pack behind them. They've got, you know, like, like the Cameron Wokey and, and, and Mershant who are like, you know, big, heavy guys playing in different positions. But um, no, I think it'll be, I think it'll stick to a free-flowing game rugby. I think we'll, we will kick our penalties when, when they come, um, but the attacking style won't change very much. Yeah, no, Wes, like you talk about the style and the, the entire kind of 
the way that the team is built and that Farrell has the kind of system going. And I'm really impressed with the system. And one thing that I think that Farrell has started to nail and it's really become evident in the last few appearances is what Connacht is missing, which is the ability to finish out a game. And they, they're blessed with the fact that Peter O'Mahony has now, you know, there's no questioning the back row. It's, it's one of the hardest back rows to, one of the hardest positions to break into in international rugby at the moment is Ireland's back row. It's so so stacked. But Peter O'Mahony, I think, has kind of taken that in a stride and he's actually developed like a finisher role. He's coming on, he's such an impact. He comes on and he doesn't really come on and look to kind of get up in everyone's faces the way Peter O'Mahony has in the past and gee everyone up. But he just comes on and he just dirty works it. He get you know, he's in the malls, he's driving people, he's lying out stealing, he's stealing on the ground. And I think that he is probably, I don't know if it's consciously or subconsciously or uh, if the coaching staff have consciously told him to do it or if he's done it himself, but his ability to kind of come on and see out games and just like fit into the system, but also to bring it down and kind of just, you know, take the steam out of it as well. It's such a good finisher attribute. And I think that between him and then I'm, I didn't think Conor Murray had a very good game at the weekend, but I think I, I understand the idea of having Conor Murray as a finisher being a very smart one because he is that cool head. He is, you know, former Lions captain. He is former Lion uh, very experienced player so if you have a Gibson Park or a Casey starting you have someone like Conor Murray coming on he has that ability to slow it down and bring it down and finish uh, which is I also think in the the longer run if we do end up getting a replacement for Sexton another role for Sexton which is you know bring him on for 10-15 minutes at the end so uh, it's great to see these kind of veterans of the team being used in that way and still having a really important role because a lot of people would say in the last couple of years oh, yeah, you're not starting, Peter Mann, he's not starting. So that means, you know, he's a sub, he's not as good. But I actually think that you've got that Eddie Jones mentality of having finishers and Farrell has brought that into the team. And I think that it's amazing to see how well that can that can kind of push forward a team and just, you know, playing for the full 80 minutes. Yeah, I totally agree. There was a great clip of uh, Omani after, I think he got a turnover on Basham and he just stared into his soul. And it's just, that's why I love him so much. It's also why I hate playing against him, but... Um, He's just, he's just, yeah, I think he's ideal for that role too. When did you play uh, against him now? Was that Corinthians Thurs, Sorry, I'm, uh, at some yeah. point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I gave him a runaround, Sam. Gave him the runaround. He couldn't see me. He was chasing ghosts that day. Um, no, I think next week will be fantastic, you know, um, Battle of the Packs especially as well. Oh, you mentioned actually, yeah, the subs came on. Yeah, it, it kind of looked like Murray and Carberry were on different kind of wavelengths sometimes. Like Carberry wanted to go right and Murray had gone left and stuff like that. And uh, Human came on as well. It's very tough though in a game like that where the game's over. It's a dead ringer by 55, 55 minutes. It's very tough probably to come on and really make a big impact in those games. So, uh, like I agree, sometimes they didn't look great in patches, but it's also it's the first game. The game was kind of over. Uh, it's sort of hard to get a proper read on that. But uh, Westy going into France, I think we can expect very little changes. We've heard Keith Earls has kind of pulled his hamstring, uh, has gone back to Munster, um, or no, hasn't gone back to Munster. Is actually staying with the pack, is or staying with the team. We kind of heard as well. I've heard both actually, but um, they're not bringing up anyone new. So. But from the start in 15, Westy, I, I can't see too many changes. I don't think there'll be any changes to the start in 15, to be honest. Um, I know I said kind of on the last podcast, I would hope for one or two changes uh, in each match because you want to see kind of your squad rotated. You want to see players kind of, you want now the system to be adaptable no matter who is kind of available. Um, I don't think there'll be changes to the start in 15. I think what you might see is changes to the bench. Like if Henderson been fit again, I think it'd be quite strange if he walked into a starting position after been off for so long. Um, so maybe you'd see him come in on the bench and then um, I don't know if this having a centre on the bench is going to be a thing all the time so would would Henshaw come in and cover that bench role I don't know um, 
but I don't think I, I don't see it been too likely. So maybe you'll see Ben Henshaw in for Hume. Maybe Hume will stay there, but um, I'd say maybe the involvement of Ian Henderson is the only kind of big change that I see. Um, and that's something against Ryan Baird. He had a good game, but it is a game you're going to need a little bit more physicality. So you're going to have to think about that, especially when picking your bench. I would love to see Carthy go in instead of Carberry because, again, I think Carberry, yeah, look, it was a hard kind of situation to come into, but he looked like he hadn't played rugby in a while. You know, I think that was his, his big thing. Because he, he hasn't, Westy. Yeah, yeah well, that's what I mean. Is that it was apparent. Like I'm saying, that's what I'm saying it was apparent that he hadn't played. Um, not that he played bad, but just looked rusty. So maybe you leave him and let him play into it, or um, you give somebody else some game time, which I think would be pretty cool. Would be would be definitely pretty cool. Uh, we'll we'll touch back on the Irish game later on when we talk about fantasy. But uh, Scotland England was second game on Saturday, and it was definitely a lot more uh, dramatic than the Irish game. Way tighter up to the last minute, and Scotland come out on top again over England in the Calcutta Cup. What's four of the last five? Uh, wins for Scotland uh, it was a cracking game Sam wasn't it just intensity wise it was close up until the last minute it was a proper Six Nations game yeah it was it was really good it was really kind of it was almost like a well written story the way it was kind of to and fro uh, you know, Scotland were up and that was great and then England came back and then you thought Scotland weren't going to have the bottle to see it out and then there was a you know a big kind of decision with the uh, with the penalty try and it's a questionable decision that's what you love the laws of rugby because they allow us to talk on podcasts about you know whether or not they were what happened so yeah let's let's actually get into that though because to me that that motion it's very deliberate by Cowan Dickey he's trying to knock the ball out he's not trying to catch it or anything yeah but they're apparently they're saying that they've the actual law is a bit vague shockingly yeah shocking for rugby the law is vague but no it's 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 you know you're not supposed to throw it straight out or bat it uh, it was a, it was kind of it was a numerous amount of infringements he was batting it forward uh, he was perfect, you know, professional foul in that way. Throwing it out isn't allowed, uh, and it was you know, stopping a probable try scoring opportunity. It doesn't have to be a guaranteed try. I don't like the way that I've heard constantly on the radio in the last, you know, on the way to and from work today and over the weekend is like, oh, stop! It wasn't a guaranteed try. It doesn't have to be a guaranteed try. The word is probable, and he was in a very good position to score a try. So I do think that you know the professional foul on top of that. Uh, it, it might be ever so slightly harsh, but I don't think it's a wrong decision at all, no. Uh, I do think that the the vague natures of rugby laws over the rules of other sports allows for this this kind of debate and stuff. Uh, it probably engages people quite well. Personally, it frustrates the hell out of me the way that we can constantly have just, you know, that could have happened five other times and two of them wouldn't be and three of them would be and it's so hard to tell, but... Yeah, no, it, it just added to the overall spectacle of the game, the overall excitement of the game, and you know, a great win for Scotland and your chuff for Scotland to see them doing well. Uh, you you hope it, you know, it was just kind of not, you know, I don't want them to go on and win it because I want Ireland to go on and win it. You hope it is the start of a good building for Scotland or the continuation of a good building over the last couple of years. But then you have to also caveat that with like England didn't play well for big periods of the game. They were missing a good number of experienced players and Scotland had had to play to like their hundred percent. I think Scotland were on point with everything they did and they just scraped it. So there is still like, if you, all things considered a world cup tomorrow, full teams, there's a big, there's a vast gap between the, the levels of them. Westy said, you know, we'd like to see a few more changes in our team. I'd just be the same. The six nations for me would be building towards the world cup. I don't want to see changes next week. Cause I want to see that team continue on, but you know, I would like to see a couple of changes between each game and this. And I think that England and Wales, albeit they're going to have bad tournaments, 
are in, I'm envious of the position they're in, which is using and bringing through a load of young lads. I was talking to my cousin who's from Wales, grew up in Monmouth, and he was kind of saying, you know, it's a poor Welsh team. And I was saying, yeah, but like, look at how experienced those guys are going to get. And they're going to come into the World Cup with a full kind of 35, 37 players worth of experience, whereas Ireland will go with a 26 or 27. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's a great point as well. But like, I think Scotland will also grow from that game too. You know, it's the f- first game; it's always kind of tough. But um, how Scotland were leading at halftime, I have no idea. England had all the ball and all the territory in that first half. They were that was obviously a, a big kind of one of England's game plans was kicking the ball in behind and putting Hoggy under pressure and whatnot. Um, Westy Marcus Smith being applauded for especially uh, his second half kind of try he was a fantastic try. Uh, and people kind of giving out that he was taken off too soon. What was your kind of views on that? I thought he played very well. Um, I think it's funny, you know, England had kind of a, a problem with ball carriers and it's pretty impressive when one of the smallest guys on the pitch is one of your best ball carriers, really like great go for it ball, great line for the try. Maybe as good as the as the Portugal line, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to review it. Um, but no, look, I think I think a bigger deal of it's been made maybe than it needs to be. Like there, there was changes like like Don Brandt was bought on at like at seven instead of eight. Like there was strange calls in the decisions and the substitutions that were made. Um I, I think it's only natural that you take off your 10 with you know that that is a, a standard change that happens in, in every game, even the close ones. Maybe it was a little bit early. I did think he was running the game quite well, but you also get to bring on George Ford. It's not like you're bringing on yeah. some young lad. You're bringing on the player of the season in the Premiership at the moment. Yeah, so like it, it, I, I think it, I think more has been made of that decision than needs to be. Like the real problem was that, like as you guys said, how were Scotland ahead? Well, Scotland were ahead because Scotland's defence was so good, but England's attack lacked so much creativity. Um, so I think Scotland were very like I did think the dam would open at some point because I was very very impressed with how well Scotland defended, but it didn't, and it was mainly because apart from little kicks through, England didn't really seem to have anything else without a Tuilagi in the centre. Now look, Daly was playing in the centre, he looked kind of uncomfortable. Um, we don't see a lot of him in the centre. I think he played there once for the Lions, maybe. Um, but I, I think there are other problems, and, and with a lot of these things, the easy thing is to pick a decision and say that's why we lost. You know, he, it's the same thing with everyone jumping on Cow and Dickey. Like, that poor lad's had to apologise on Twitter for all the abuse he's getting. Like, it's ridiculous. He made a decision. He know, okay, it was the wrong one. But, like, England should have been far further ahead by then anyway. Like, again, why aren't you complaining about, um, like, why aren't you giving Eddie Jones more trouble for not bringing on Jamie George for that line-out where Scotland gets the penalty that puts them ahead? Like, there are far stranger decisions than... You know, I think Howard Dickey was just trying to bat the ball out of Darcy Graham's hands. I don't think he was necessarily trying to bat it into touch. That's just what happened. Um, but yeah, I think th- there's easy decisions to look and say that's why the loss. But I think there's bigger problems at play like the, than the simple answers that you can see. Can I just ask as well? I don't, I just, it amuses me why like a scrum half on every team doesn't just learn how to throw darts because. Hookers do get yellow cards often enough. It does seem to come up. And then you see like Finley Bealham throwing it in or Bundyaki not allowed to throw it in, but trying to throw it in. Like that, you see that a good bit. Like I've seen Buckley in the past throw god awful soccer throw ins. Why does a scrum half not learn how to do it? And just, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to do it all the time, but just do it. It seems to me, it, it seems a strange thing that you have like two lads in a squad of 23 that know how to do this one particular skill. And that's like, it's, it's hard and fast rule that they're the only ones that know how to do it. Also, though, 
you know, England tried to be cute with it. Just put, <laughs> just jump at the front and just, you know, put your biggest lad up and that's, you know, take your chances that way. Don't try and get cute with it, like with Marler, like, you know what I mean? But again, maybe maybe people who are who've been hookers can tell us more about that. But um, Sam, Scotland, I know you kind of said that you weren't overly impressed, but next week to go to Cardiff with a Wales team that aren't firing all cylinders, I'd I'd back them to win that. And then week three they host France, and it's sort of you never know. They bet them in Murrayfield a couple of years ago, didn't they? Yeah, I think. You know, so they they have some belief there as well. You never know. He could end up with Scotland three from three with two games to go. What do you think? Um, are you on? Are you yeah. buying? In, is, uh, investing? I didn't say I wasn't impressed. I, I was very impressed with Scotland. You did. I you think said you hated them. You said Stuart Hogg's overrated. I said Flower Scotland is the worst anthem. Oh, I will kick you off this podcast if you ever utter. Such... I'm a huge God Save the Queen guy. Like there's, oh, there's nothing riles me up like God. a good wickers. <laughs> but uh, you and you and Alex Wooten are out of here. But uh, no, like I, I, I think Scotland were very impressive. I think defensively they're brilliant. I think they've got some serious players. I think that they've, you know, they've utilised both the residency rule uh, very well, and they've developed their players. I think Edinburgh and Glasgow are flying in the league, and that's helping them. I think Finn Russell is just ripping up trees, and he's, you know, he's playing the way he wants, uh, which allows them to play like two two crossfield kicks in a row. Genius. Uh, that's probably what he was. I don't think he was probably so confused and so like, why am I on this wing? Like he was trying to get back over because he was being lazy, I'd say. And he ended up being underneath the crossfield kick in his own 22. But uh, no, I think that they definitely have a chance. I think that they'll definitely be favorites going to Wales, which I don't think I've ever seen or would have anyone would really have any recollection of that being the case, uh, which could also light a little fire under Wales. You know, Wales are a proud nation and they're not going to want to lose at home. So that could be a cracking game early on uh, Saturday next week. Uh, and then, you know, if they win that and they host France and they get their tails up a little bit, they could definitely be win, in with a chance and they could put pressure on Ireland. I just think that what I said earlier is like, you know, you have an England team that we've criticised for misfiring and for not playing well and being missing a good few. Like Tuolagi was back for sale at the weekend. He looked like he never went away. He puts in some huge hits. Those, those are the sort of players that England are missing. They're in transition period. Eddie Jones uses the Six Nations leading up to the World Cup to change things up and to, you know, trial and error things and to get fitness up and all those sort of things. Scotland had to play really out of their skin to just eke a three-point victory. So I'm not saying that I don't rate them. I'm just saying that I still think that they're, they've a long way to go if they want to be as competitive year in, year out as like Ireland, Wales, England, France have been. You know, I still think that they're just they're, they're a tier below. Westy, uh, Schumann, the Scottish forward. Biggest chest I've ever seen, surely. I can't think of a chest bigger. He just It looks like he's wearing pat, like padded Maybe he is, but it's ridiculous. Sorry, is this a question? <laughs> just, just your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a big fucker. Um, I'm pretty sure. Am I wrong? Is he South African born? Um, Don't bring that out. Oh, he's xenophobic, oh. Westy. God, what's that got to do with Westy? You write oh, for the man. Independent, do you? Yeah, just, <laughs> just meant to say that the you know they grow them big. Um, obviously a proud, a great addition to the Scottish team, uh, as you guys said. Like they've. Um, they've really built a, a a team really well with a good kind of mix of players. Um, but it is maybe something that like Scotland have always had trouble marrying in the past. I think is either either they had some big lumbering forwards and not a lot going on in the backs, or maybe they've had kind of a little bit of excitement with Finn Russell and kind of maybe their pack was a bit limited. But I think it's a good transition at the right now. Like like Hamish Watson, he hasn't missed a tackle in Six Nations since 2019. Like he is unbelievable. 
Is that um, actually a stat? Yeah. Oh my god, that is incredible. <laughs> They'll be missing Johnny Gray, I think. I think he's not injured. No, sorry, Jamie Ritchie. Um it will be missing for the next game, so they'll have to build around that. I thought he, he again is a fantastic player, but um yeah, no, I think I think their pack is strong and with with, with players like Schumann there to add a bit of bulk as well, it really gives more free range to your kind of to your Watsons and your well, not Jamie Rich anymore, but uh, and your Greys to kind of really get around the park and make those hits. I do also get enjoyment when the whole uh, stadium goes shoo <laughs> when he touches the ball. I do enjoy that for some reason. Uh, but you know, great to see. Look, it's always good to see England lose. Sorry, Sam, um, but it always warms my heart. So, uh, we'll, but we'll move on. Last game on Sunday, you didn't think he'd be able to watch this game, but he did because of a cancelled rugby match. Uh, France and Italy. France coming out on top, thirty-seven points to ten. Westy, impressed with France? Uh, what do you expected, or are they still also kind of going up through the gears? I think they're definitely going up to the gears. I thought Italy really challenged them, which I was really happy about. I was really happy to see Italy kind of like really push for this because you know at the kind of after maybe maybe at the end of the first half, I mean, they had ten points on the board, they they looked strong. Um, I think it did take France a bit of time. It, it was quite a sloppy game at times, and the weather was really bad. Like we saw it on TV, you could see how wet it was and, and how slippery the ball was, but. I think what Italy did really well was they kind of really targeted that 9-10 channel for France. They kind of prevented Entomac from getting as much purchase on the game as he would have in previous fixtures. Um, so that kind of almost, not prevented, but stalled France in building up to those gears. And look, I know I know there was two tries in the last 50 minutes, so I can use my famous line if I want, but I really don't think Italy stopped playing for the last three minutes. I thought they were fantastic in the way they kept pushing through the game. So I was really Fans impressed with want that. it. Fans want it, Wesley. <laughs> Give it to them. Nope. Uh, they, no, I think they were really good. Like, I, I, I think there's a lot of promise there. It's a really young Italy team in their building, and they were successfully able to disrupt France for large parts of that game. Um, I also think Paolo Garbisi is phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a France team that were not lucky because they probably would have played differently if it was an Ireland or, or, or an England or a Wales, but they... They've had a good run out now against Italy. Italy troubled them a little bit. Italy would have given them kind of same, similar enough to us in Wales, only for, you know, Wales um, obviously have a bit more storied history and have injury problems and all that. But um, Italy gave them a good run out and gave them a good warm up. But they'll know that it's it's up a few gears before they, come, before they play us in a few weeks. The beauty is they have that home advantage again. And I think that really did make a difference for them. Like we saw the Mexican waves going in the crowd again, like people delighted to be back inside the France. So... Um, I think it was a good run-up. I think similar to us, like at times they struggled to get up through the gears and at times the game got quite sloppy and it risked not getting away from them, but they risked letting Italy kind of build into it because um, Italy were hungry for it. But I do think both us and France are in a similar situation now where we both have a lot to work on for the next week. And I just, I think it's building to a fantastic game in Paris. Yeah, it is going to be it's going to be an incredible game. Is the game in Paris? Is that the last time we'll play in France before the World Cup? Because we'll have France at home then in Six Nations next year. So uh, that's yeah. huge because we could end up we could end up playing France in in the World Cup. You know, if if results go the way they are and we draw them, so uh, that'll be a huge game. And like Wesley said, like having a full stat to France, having people like just enjoying themselves after kind of the post COVID sort of era or the era that we're in now, it's going to be massive. Was the last time we played there? Was that Sexton's drop goal? Or was that? It might have a, been, yeah. Yeah, that that's still one of my favorite moments ever. Oh no! No, that was twenty. No, we we played them. Did we play them yeah. in that delayed Six Nations? 
Oh yeah, that was in the summer. Oh uh, yeah, apologies, apologies. Uh, the last four years have just been an absolute yeah, melt. Yeah. Um, Sam, Italy host England next week. Are you, so you're telling me there's a chance? Oh, definitely. Yeah, if they play the way they were playing, like that's they were brilliant to watch. They really went at France, you know, and they they didn't shy away from any aspect of the game. They tried to go wide. They tried to play it. Garbisi was running it the way he wanted to run it, but they also, you know, they they stepped up physically and they wanted to go at a big French pack. Like you're talking Wokey, Williams, uh, you know, Aldri, there's some big, big lads and, and Cyril Bay. Like, I just think that, you know, Italy not stepping down from that is the, probably the area where they do get bullied the most. Because I think when you get to international rugby, you look at like, I'd say, I don't know the stats offhand, but the amount of tries that are scored off the back of lineouts because you won scrum penalties, uh, that sort of thing is just stands so well to teams. So the fact that Italy weren't afraid to go at France in that manner, I think will stand to them because they'll be playing England and England will want to do that. They want to impose a game on Italy. So I'd, yeah, I'd give them a chance. I wouldn't give them a chance now of winning too much. You know, I think that there's a very outside chance, but what I do think that they'll do is upset England enough that it'll further fuel this fire of English tabloids questioning whether or not Eddie Jones is a good coach. To me, it's just like, lads, we've been through this before twice. He throws away these six nations because he doesn't care because he's building something and he's building something with like six uncapped players in his squad and a lot of under 10 cappers and like people like Marcus Smith coming through. So yeah, I think if, if Italy had a chance, it was this chance coming, you know, in Italy fans in the stadium they've had a rough time with COVID affected Italy very very badly and I think that the, the players will want to kind of get you know push on and do something good for the country as well so I think it'll be a huge game and a good opportunity for them and I kind of just hope that they can play the way they did against France because I think that play the way they did against France they'll be more successful than they were against France like they'll have more opportunity they could possibly push England a lot closer than they did 37-10 a couple of tries at the end there for France makes it look like it was further apart than it was, but no, it was half time. It was only eight points in it. So yeah, I think uh, that'll be another enjoyable game. I think this Six Nations is it's really getting to a stage with this Six Nations where we're kind of going, you know, there's no bad games. Uh, I think you get a, England Wales is probably going to be your worst game of the Six Nations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned about like you know England preparing for the World Cup next year. I've already seen Irish media outlets that I won't name, but off the ball, um, <laughs> are already. I've already. I saw a clip today of them slating Wales and saying they're a shambles. I'm like, we really are. We really have such a short memory in this country. Like this is the year before a World Cup. This is when we peak, and we're doing it again. And we're going to slate Wales. And then Wales are going to probably get to a World Cup semi-final next year or something. And they'll be laughing at us. And we always do it. So we deserve everything we get. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We deserve everything. Um, but we'll finish up this week with Fantasy Six Nations, boys. We all thought it was going to be fun until we actually got the scores and we realised we suck. So if you want to know how me and the boys did, uh, Sam's doing the best out of the three of us. He currently sits in... Where do you sit, Sam? Oh, down 20-something. 23rd. I changed my name to Finn Russell with Love. Oh, so I was looking for Sammy and I couldn't see it. Oh, no, I changed my name. Finn Russell with Love is class name, by the way. So Sam is in 23rd on 628 points. I was ahead of West. Sorry, 128.1. Yeah, the fact you can get points something points is ridiculous. Uh, Westie is one, uh, or sorry, is 27th on 614.0 points. And I'm 28th out of 612, or from 612 points. Uh, There is 42 teams, so we're not the worst. Uh, Joseph Kenny, I'm going to call you out because you're in last place. 
Um, I'm going to call out the last place every week to shame them uh, and to do better because you need to do better. You're on 393 points, uh, yeah, Joseph. Joseph, you are currently, let me do some quick maths here, you are over 400 points behind leading and it's only been round one. Yeah, it's almost ba- impressive. Badger, who's winning, got like 794 points. You know, having like the two French wingers, stroke of genius. I kind of yeah. wanted to get as many French backs into the team as possible, but I decided the one I'd leave out was Villiers. And he's after yeah. a I, yeah, I picked the wrong French winger too. I went with Penno. He, did, he had a good game, but not as good as. So the top three is currently uh, in third place is the best of the West. Uh, Arthur West, uh, who's just superior to our Westie in every way possible, including in fantasy rugby. Um, any comment on that, there, Westie? Um, just have to come back next week. Uh, there you go. Do, yeah, give, is, give us your media that's trained that's answer. Such a there. Johnny Sexton answer I'll, there, isn't I'll it? I'll beat you on the pitch. You know. Uh, is it is it fun doing uh, fantasy sports there, Westie? Uh, I don't know if it's fun. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's earned. <laughs> We're here to do a job. We're not here to have fun. This is not a birthday party, guys. <laughs> uh, sorry, shout out to Johnny Sexton. Uh, second place then is Crew Warrior on 780 points. Solid, solid effort. And then, yeah, number one is Badger. I don't know who Badger is, but uh, quality name. Uh, and just like a Badger, hard to kill. It's fourth Dave Heffernan. Uh, Dave H. Dave H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dave. Dave's big fancy guy. Dicks uh, himself in. Now he's got called up as well. Congrats, <laughs> yeah. Dave. for getting called <laughs> yeah, he up. He selected himself. Uh, yeah, Badger and seven hundred ninety-four points. So well done. We're going to call out the top three, and I've just decided the last place every week. So um, as a, a little incentive. So we'll see how we get on. Um, yeah, it's a bit of crack. We'll see you next week. Is it five changes we can make? I think next week. I don't know if it's limited. I think if it's within your budget, you can make. I don't see any way that says what it's limited to. Oh, I yeah? would be cautious. It's been limited in the past. That's yeah. why I've kind of, you know, I've been wary of who plays Italy first round because you pick a load yeah. of those players and then you can't use them again. I'd like to say that I went through the settings and stuff like that. I literally just created the league and put it out there. So sorry if I didn't select it right. But um, round one, the books, we'll see if Badger can hold on and win it or will Arthur West and Crew Warrior overtake. And, and more importantly... Will Joseph Kenny get out of last place? That is the real narrative we're looking here. Uh, can he? Can he? Can he rise up from the ashes? Uh, we'll leave it there, boys. We'll be back next week. We're obviously going to take some break off the the Connacht uh, stuff for a while. The, let let them come back, um, and we'll have more Six Nations uh, next week. Uh, hopefully, recapping a, a huge win in Paris. But until then, boys, have a good one and appreciate it as always. Bye. Cheers. Bye.